Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. Thank you for tuning in with us. Psalm 113 says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore.
Hey, great job, praise team. Isn't that awesome? They, they get it done every week. We love having them and the, the hearts that they bring to our worship time. Kavanaugh Church family, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us here uh, this morning live for our worship experience. We miss you a lot. We wish you were here, but I think it's going to be sooner than later that we're finally going to be able to see each other again, and we're pretty excited about that. But we miss you a lot, and we know that God is with all of us as our church family as we're scattered everywhere. Uh, one of the songs I've been listening to a lot um, on, in the car ride on the way to work every single morning to and fro uh, is uh, a song called sovereign over us. And these are some of the lyrics of that song. It says this, your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. You know what? Today, I worship a God who is in complete control of everything. Even when times are crazy, God is in control. And today, I lift him up and I praise him for all that he is and what he has done for us. So we hope that you are doing so as well. So continue to pray for us as our services get underway. Continue to worship with us. Be with Brother Will as he uh, preaches to us as well. And continue worshiping with us this morning.
My Feet Are on the Rock is such a song of assurance and belief that God is our rock and he is our shelter and that we can cling to him when we feel like we're losing hope. You know, I think every one of us in our lives have issues that we deal with or things that frustrate us. But as believers, we all have that point in time where we can turn and look back and say, you know what? God showed up for me. God intervened in my life. We all have something at some time when we can say, I have seen you move. I have seen you move mountains in my life. And I know that you can do it again. I believe that it's powerful when we sing or when we speak that great is your faithfulness, oh God, and your promise still stands. If God has worked for you in the past, he can surely do it again.
of the sun to the setting of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Certainly appreciate our worship team leading us in praise to our God today. Well, I'm going to pick up where I left off last Sunday, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, with a desire for you to grow spiritually. Uh, Paul was concerned about the lack of spiritual growth in the lives of the Corinthian believers. And so he begins in chapter 3 telling them that uh, he wished he could feed them the meat of the Word of God. But they weren't ready for that yet because they were still babies in Christ and they were having to drink the milk of the Word of God. And so he challenges them to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that is my prayer for you, church, that we grow up in Jesus Christ. So let me begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9. It's where we left off last Sunday. Paul said, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. And then he goes on in verse 10 and says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And then someone else has come and built on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire." Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 
If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless not only the reading, but the preaching of your word. As I try to speak it on the outside, I pray that you would speak it into our hearts. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Again, verse 9 is the transition verse from last week to this week. And in verse 9, Paul says, for we are God's fellow workers. In other words, we're all in this together. You are God's field, he said. You are God's building. And in this verse, he gives us two images of how our growth in Christ should take place. And that first image is of agriculture. He said, the church is like a field. You are God's field where the seed of God has been sown by some, cultivated by others, and then harvested by others. In other words, he said in verses 5 through 8 that Christians are like plants growing in a field. And the result should be that we bring forth a harvest. The second image that he uses is that of, agri- uh, of architect in verses 10 through 17. He says the church is like a building that is under construction. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to preach this passage today is that this next week is a very historic week for Kavanaugh Church. The building is finally going to start. Uh, construction crews are going to be out on the job site Tuesday, and this new worship center that we have been anticipating for years is about to begin. And so we're actually going to be building a new church. But, but I want you to understand, and make no mistake about it, the church is not a building. Uh, the building is, 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 is not what the church is. You are the church. Right here, these people behind me, these pictures... You are what the church is. Remember that little rhyme that we used to do when when we were kids? Here's the church and here's the steeple. Open the door and here's all the people. Well, that's what the church is. The, The church is people. It's not the physical building. But the church is like a building, so says Paul in verse 9, because it has a foundation and a roof and walls and doors and windows. And so it is this second image that Paul turns to now, challenging the Corinthian believers to grow up in Jesus Christ. Our life is like a building. Now, the first thing about this building he talks about is the foundation. So let me talk about the foundation of our life in Jesus Christ. Uh, Next Tuesday, the construction crew is going to come out here, and they are going to begin work on the site. The first thing they're going to do is prepare the soil for the foundation. Now, I can't wait to to see the the red beams going up and the walls being constructed, but that's going to take months before that happens. Why? Because the ground has to be prepared. Uh, We're sitting on some bad soil. There used to be a pond on this lot. In fact, one of our members, Charlie Wagner, remembers when he was a little boy, he would come to this location and fish in this pond that that is now 2825 Grinnell. And so all of the bad soil is going to have to be taken out and replaced with stable soil. They're going to dig piers deep down into the ground, maybe 12, 15 feet deep, 
concrete piers reinforced with steel. Why would they do all that? Why would they spend months underground before the building comes up? Well, it's because the foundation is important. If the foundation is not right, the building is not going to be right. And that's what Paul is saying in verse number 10. He said, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And then another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, let me back up here. When we are saved, the very first thing that happens in our life when we invite Jesus to be our Savior is that Jesus himself becomes the foundation of our life. And that's what Paul did when he first came to Corinth. Paul preached Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. And they were to put their faith in the person, Jesus Christ, who is our gift of eternal life. And Paul calls himself a master builder. Now, it's interesting that the word that he uses there in the Greek is the word from which we get our word architect from. But Paul has something else in mind here, more than what we think of when we consider an architect. Really what he's talking about is a general contractor, someone who makes sure everything is put in the proper place as the building is built and put in the proper order. Now, once the foundation of Jesus Christ is laid in our lives, that foundation is firm. His person, his life, his teaching, his resurrection, his ascension, his coming to us through the Holy Spirit, his coming back again on the last days. That is our foundation. It is Jesus Christ. And on that solid rock of Jesus, we stand. So let me make two very important statements. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. The Bible's teaching about Jesus Christ is the foundation we have built Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church on. And every church that departs from the teachings about Jesus Christ and his work and his person and his resurrection, that church begins to fall apart and finally collapses and crumbles into nothing. When you take the foundation of Jesus out from under any church, the church crumbles. Secondly, Jesus Christ is not only the foundation for the church, Jesus Christ is the foundation for every individual believer. Every person who is not building their life on the foundation of Jesus Christ will have a life that crumbles and falls apart. Just think about your own life. Maybe you've wondered, why, why is it, everything in my life just always crumbling and falling apart? Maybe the reason is that you've not built your life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Because if your life is built on Jesus and his firm foundation, your life is strong. It is firm. Everything else might be crumbling around you, but your life won't be crumbling because you've built it on the rock. 
As I've been studying this passage this week, every time I think about this and read this, my mind goes back to the story that Jesus told at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. Go back and read that later on this afternoon. Jesus compares two people, a wise man and a foolish man. He said the foolish man builds his house or his life on the sand. The foundation is a sand foundation. And so when the rains come and the winds blow and the floods rise, that house or that life will crumble. Why? It's built on a foundation of sand. The foolish man. He said the wise man builds his house or his life on the rock so that when the rains fall and the winds blow and the floods come, that house or that life will stand. Why? It's built on the rock. So it's important that we live our lives and build our lives based on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the second point he talks about, and that is the construction of our life. When we are saved, God puts the foundation of our lives in place. And then we begin to build on that foundation. And that's what spiritual growth is all about. Building on the foundation. Building and growing our life into the person God wants us to be. And let me let you in on a little secret. That looks just like Jesus. We are to become just like Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. We should reflect him. Listen to what Paul said in verse 10b. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. And then in verse 12, he says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, and straw. Paul says, Be careful how you build, because the strength of your life depends on how you build your life. And specifically, Paul is talking about other preachers coming in and building on the foundation that he has laid. But ultimately, every one of us are responsible for the construction of our own lives in Jesus Christ. That is the way that we live, the habits that we form, the things that we do. All of these form the building materials that we're building our life out of. And according to verse 12... There are two categories of building materials that we use. And the first category of building materials are permanent. They're solid. They're going to stand the test of time. What are these building materials? Gold, silver, precious stones. These are the building materials that are uncommon. They are uncommon because they are difficult to acquire, and they are also very costly. But... They endure. They last. The second category is just the opposite. Wood, hay, stubble. Now, if you want to build fast and easy, let me tell you, this is the way to go. Because these materials are easy to acquire, and they are everywhere, and they're cheap. Okay? The first category, costly. The second category, they're cheap. But the downside is, they don't last very long. So, what does all of this have to do with building our lives in Jesus Christ and constructing our lives in Christ? Well, it represents the two different ways that we can work on our souls. The two different ways that we go about living our life. 
the way we live, the habits we form, the things that we do. Again, all of these form the building materials. So we can either build our life out of gold, silver, and precious stones, which represents the life that is built or lived out for the glory of God and for the good of others. And let me tell you, that is something that's difficult to do. It's costly to do. It's going to cost you something if you build your life out of gold, silver, and precious stone. What does that look like? Well, it looks like the life of Jesus, that I put on the mind of Christ, that I have the attitude of forgiveness that Jesus has, that I think like Jesus, that I live like Jesus, that I do the right thing even when nobody else is watching. Why? Because I have taken time to form my life to look just like Jesus Christ. Again, the opposite of that is the wood, hay, and straw. It represents a life that is built or lived out for the pleasures of this world and for the glory of self. It, it's the easy way out. It's doing things the natural way, which goes back to talk about what Paul is referring to all the way through chapter 3, the carnal way of life, the materialistic way of life. I'm just going to live life naturally. I'm going to do what comes natural to me. If I do that, it's wood, hay, and straw. To be unnatural is to be like Jesus and to put forth the effort of living a life that is built out of gold, silver, and precious stone. So every day we live our lives, they are under construction. Now, th this is really important because it brings us to the next thing. Number three, it's the inspection of our life in Jesus Christ. Now, as we build this new building out here, I already know that the city is going to come out and, and they're going to inspect us periodically. Even the bank is going to do that. I signed the note this past week, and, and uh, they said, we're going to be out and make sure that, that you're building this building and, and doing it correctly. And then after it's all finished, before we can move in and have church in that new building, they're going to come out for a final inspection to make sure everything is done properly and in order, and it's going to be safe. The same thing is true for us. You can go about your life and, and think only about what makes you happy right now, but the Bible tells us that there is a day coming when our life is going to be tested and evaluated and inspected. Paul refers to that in verse 13. He said, each one's work will become clear for the day, capital D there, the day, the big day, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is if anyone's work which he has built on it endures he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved yet so as through Fire. Now, th this is a pretty difficult little passage to understand because it, it talks about our work. And in fact, the word work is used four times in these verses. And, 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 and you're, you're confused right now because you, you think, my salvation has nothing to do with work. And, and, and you're right, it doesn't. You are saved by grace through faith. Works has nothing to do with your salvation. 
But our acceptance of Jesus Christ, it is not based on performance. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. There's no work on our part involved in salvation. Jesus did all the work for us. But when we accept that free gift of salvation and are saved and born again, the natural thing that comes out of it is our work for Christ as we begin to live for Christ. And, and that's what Paul is referring to here. Remember what he said over in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created into Christ, in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I understand these verses are difficult. Let's take a moment and dissect them, exegete them, and see if we can't understand what's going on here. Go back to verse 13. He said, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. What, what is the day? Well, it is the day that Jesus Christ returns. It's the day that, that Jesus Christ comes and his light is shed on everyone's life. It's judgment day. And there will come a day when Jesus Christ calls a halt to everything that is going on and eternity begins. He goes on in verse 13 and says, because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each man's work of what sort it is. Now, th this refers to what Paul talks about in his second letter to the Corinthians, okay? So let me read 2 Corinthians 5.10. Paul said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. So we take these two verses together and we understand that judgment day is coming. And when judgment day comes, our lives are going to be judged. And God is going to reveal the life that we have constructed on the foundation of Jesus Christ. The we here refers to Christians. He's talking about He's talking about you. He's evaluating the life that you live. Now, let me back up and say again, our salvation is not based upon our works. It is judged solely upon whether or not we have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. But based upon that, he is going to put our works through the fire because he wants to reward us for the way that we have built our lives and lived our lives. He says that in verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. So your life is going to go through this fire of God. And what comes out on the other side, God is going to reward. If you've built your life on gold, silver, and precious stones, it's going to go through the fire. If you have built your life on wood, hay, and straw, it's going to burn up. Every thought that we've ever had, every word that we've ever spoken, every deed that we've ever done is going to go through the refining fire of God's all-knowing, all-seeing gaze. And what remains becomes the basis of our rewards. So what are these rewards? Well, I really don't know because the Bible is not specific or clear 
on our rewards. I've got a couple of ideas in my mind based on a story that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 25. Remember the story of the talents? A master gave five talents to one servant, two talents to another servant, one talent to a third servant. And he said, go out and make investments of this money and then bring me back the profits. Well, the one who had five doubled the investment and came back with 10. The one with two doubled his, came back with four. The one with one went out and buried it, and he came back with the one. Now, the servant who had five and two, who invested well, brought the return back to their master, and and the master was pleased. Here's what he said, Matthew 25, verse 21. His Lord said to these two guys, Well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of our Lord. And based on this statement, I I have three assumptions about the rewards that we are going to receive in heaven. Number one, rewards come in the form of affirmation. The master of this parable said, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And, And maybe one day when Your life goes through that refining fire as a believer. God is going to say to you, well done. You you did a great job. You built your life and constructed it out of gold, silver, and precious stone. You reflected my son, Jesus Christ. Number two, rewards come in the form of more responsibility. The master said, you have been faithful over a few things. I am going to make you ruler or put you in charge of many things. Now, what does that look like? Well, let let me use this analogy. Uh, Back when I was in school, I I was one of those uh, just okay athletes. I I played all sports, but I wasn't really good at anything. I was good enough to make the team, but I wasn't good enough to start. I was good enough to make the team, but I didn't get much playing time. Uh, Unlike my son, my son's a great athlete, he not only made all the teams, but he started And he got to play all the time. Okay? Why? Because he put the work in. Now, here it is with us. You and I have made the team. We've accepted Jesus. We're sitting on the bench. Here's the point, though. Have you been putting in the hard work to get in the game and to play? Now, you might might use the excuse, well, I'm, I'm just not gifted enough. I'm just not talented enough. Here's the rule that we go by in the Harmon home. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And that is true in the Christian life as well. You know what God is looking for? He's looking for willing workers. He's looking for people who are willing to work, to put in the work, to put forth the effort. And if you are willing to do that, let me tell you, God is going to use the fire out of you. And he's going to reward you with more and greater things to do. The third reward looks like this. It comes in the form of joy in the presence of God. The master says to the faithful servant, come and share the joy of your master. Man, I don't know what that's going to look like in heaven, but let me tell you, it's going to be the best thing of all when we enjoy Jesus and get to sit by God. Now, go down to verse 15 of this complicated passage. Verse 15, he says, if anyone's work is burned... He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, again, we're not, we're not talking about 
salvation here, you're, you're saved. What we're talking about are, are your works, the, the things that you've done, the words that you've said. Is your work wood, hay, and stubble that's going to be burned up? Or is your work gold, silver, and precious stone? If, if you've built a life out of wood, hay, and stubble, just doing what's natural, not putting forth the effort to be just like Jesus Christ and working hard to be like him, then you know what? Those works are going to be burned up. Now, this is hard for us because we understand, you know, heaven is a perfect place and there's not going to be any sorrow in heaven, but the Bible is specific here. It says that some of us will enter heaven just so as through fire. Wow. What does that mean? Well, this is the way I think about it. And again, I want to tell on myself. I never was a good student either, <laughs> just a fair athlete, probably a worse student. And the reason was I didn't put forth the effort. I mean, when I was in, in grade school and high school and first couple of years of college, you know, I knew I had to be there, but I didn't really want to be there, and so I just did enough to get by. I was a B.C. student, maybe C.B. student, all right? But then my third year of college, all of a sudden I became a straight-A student. I think it was because I finally got to study something that was of great interest to me. I started studying theology and ministry, and I enjoyed it, so I put forth the effort. I worked hard, and from my junior year in college, even all the way through seminary, I was a 4.0 student. I made straight A's. Why? I enjoyed the work, and I put forth the effort, except maybe for the last semester of my senior year in college. I mean, I'd been going to school all my life. I was, I, you know, I was kind of done with it. I was ready to get on to ministry. I was supposed to graduate from Hillsdale on a Friday. I was marrying the love of my life on that next day, Saturday. And then on Monday, we were moving to Enid to start ministry. I knew that God had made me for ministry, and I was ready to get this school behind me. And so, you know what? I was just doing what I had to do to graduate. And so I turned in this theology paper to my professor, Dr. Mawberry. And I didn't put much effort into it. And he called me into his office the next day. And I'll never forget the look on his face. Face. Let me tell you, Dr. Marbury was serious. He said, Harmon, I know it's the end of the year, and, and, and I know you're about to graduate, but you know what? This was a very poor attempt at this paper, and I expect more of you than this. You're better than this. You can do better than this. And I tell you, I, my face got red, and I got embarrassed, and then I got a little bit mad, and, and then I got humble because, you know what, he was right. I, I, I could do better than that, but I didn't. I didn't work hard at it. And guys, here, here, here's, here's what I don't want to happen to myself, to anyone in my family, nor do I want it to happen to you. I don't want you to stand before God on that judgment day and he put your life through his refining fire and he has to say to you, you know what, I'm really disappointed. You could have done so much better. You could have done so much more. With everything that I gave you, all the opportunities that you had, you really didn't put forth the effort. Now, guys, I, I think you would much rather hear me say that to you than the Lord say that to you. So let's put forth the effort. Let's build a life out of gold, silver, and precious stone because it is going to be inspected by God on judgment day. 
And why is that important? Well, it's important for the fourth point. That is the consecration of our life in Christ. Paul ends this segment in verses 16 and 17 by saying, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells inside of you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now here's the point. In these verses, the reason the foundation, the construction, and the inspection is so important is that we are being constructed and we are constructing the dwelling place of God in our life. This building, our life, is important because of who lives inside of us. And that's Jesus Christ. You see, the way we build our and live our lives makes room for really one of two things. People are either going to see a whole lot of God inside of us or a whole lot of us inside of us. Which are you building? I love you. God called me to be your pastor. And I'm concerned about your spiritual health. I want you to grow up to be the person God has called you to be. So we have the foundation. It is the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed in the Word of God. Let's build on that foundation a good life of gold, silver, and precious stone. Let's put on the mind of Christ. Let's have the attitude of Jesus. Let's live like Him so that when other people see us, they don't see us, they see Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to grow up in Jesus Christ and to put on Christ. Help us, dear Lord, every day as we build our lives to build a life based on Jesus. Dear Lord, if anyone listening to me this morning has never accepted your gift of salvation, I pray that they would do that today, that they would accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. And for the rest of us, I pray, dear Lord, that we would grow up in Jesus Christ. We ask this in your blessed and holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening this morning and watching us live stream. Uh, just a couple of reminders, announcements, and some prayer requests. Uh, be praying for the construction crew as they begin on Tuesday. Now, on Monday, our governor is going to make a very important announcement regarding plans for reopening churches. He does that at 1.30 on Monday afternoon. Uh, we're going to be watching that, uh, and based upon what he says, we will begin reopening our church. So Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, we're going to be online. No matter what the governor says on Monday, Wednesday night, we're online, and we will make our announcement to you of our plans of reopening on Wednesday night, so make sure that you listen for that. Uh, tonight at 6 p.m., Brother Johnny is going to have a lesson for the kids. Also at 6 p.m., Brother Nathan is going to be on Instagram Live for the teens. And then at 6.30, back on Facebook Live, Jerry Franklin is going to have the adult Sunday school lesson. Next Sunday is May the 10th. Hopefully, we'll be able to have regular church, whatever regular church looks like, on Mother's Day, next Sunday. We've ordered the gifts 
they've not made it here yet, but I'm, I'm hoping and praying they do. And if we do have church, we'll distribute gifts to you mothers in a safe way. If we're not able to have church, uh, you listen in on Wednesday night, and we'll tell you the plans that we're going to have of making sure all of our mothers get those gifts. Then the following Sunday, uh, May the 17th, we're going to honor our graduates. And so if you are a high school or a college graduate, make sure that you contact Nathan and Devin and get your information into them because we want to uh, honor you on the 17th. Remember to pray for It's Our Turn. In fact, every day at 1.30, we're praying for It's Our Turn campaign. As soon as we get back to church, we're going to push the play button on the campaign and resume that. Continue to give. You've been so faithful in giving online or sending in your check to the church. We appreciate that. Continue to do that. And let's all pray together that when we do get to come back to church, we're going to be a bigger, stronger more mature church than we've ever been before. I say it again, I love you, the staff loves you, most of all, God loves you.